You've spent all winter stuck inside imagining your next big home project. A bigger, brighter kitchen, a fabulous new fence, the possibility of a pool. There's so much you would do if only you could. The good news? With an S&T Home Equity total line of credit, you can. We've got your back with financial flexibility, and we're here to support you with exceptional customer service. So dream as big as you want, and we'll help you bring those dreams home. At S&T, it's just what we do. S&T Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. This is the point after presented by Parks Casino. Is today your lucky day? Bet Parks. By Brian Patton and Associates, it's all about the benefits and by the Steelers Pro Shop. Get it direct from the team at shop.steelers.com. Alongside Craig Wolfley and Matt Williamson, I'm Rob King. This Look Back segment is brought to you by Brian Patton and Associates. It's all about the benefits. And yes, we do have to look back (laughs) to yesterday's 24-10 loss to Arizona before we uh, mine deeply into uh, an unfortunately rich area of mistakes uh wolf anything off the top of your mind yeah i'm now uh behind to my brother ron <laughs> ah. <laughs> in the wolfly oh. battle you know my, my brother ron of course is right. a color commentator for the cardinals and uh you know i was hoping for a little more you know uh, oomph from the boys here at at home so that i could reclaim my dominance as as the elder wolfly you know and then therefore <laughs> I, the mere pittance that my brother, younger brother is, and I could laugh at him. But, of course, that didn't work out. So we moved from that that vantage point. Yeah. Uh, Matt, anything initial? Oh, lots. <laughs> I mean, none <laughs> of it's particularly great, to be honest with you. I mean, I think it's a great example of things we've talked about all year from this team that you know, when you play so close to the vest, and I'm not even talking about play calling. I mean, just so little room for error, one-score games, have to win in the margins, turnover differential, which for the most part they've done extremely well. Sometimes it goes the other way on you, and it goes downhill quick. So um, this was the uh, the list, and uh, I shared this list with uh, with uh, Wolf and Max Starks this morning. So you, you know you you're going through, and usually it's you know usually you win, and it's you know ninety percent good. A couple things like last week we talked about. Okay, you one sixteen to ten special teams penalties. Mm-hmm. You know, mostly it's good stuff, right? You ran the ball, the offense looked better. You had four hundred yards. <clears throat> so, excuse me. Um, here's what I had: uh, lack of offensive continuity, injuries, poor third down defense, poor third down offense, special team penalties, no answers for Trey McBride, Mason Cole had a tough day snapping. The red zone uh, defense was not good. The red zone offense was not good. The coaching was not good. You had 12 men on the field uh, with a call late in the game out of a timeout. Um, you had an alignment issue with Chooks failing to take the field early in the third. Two times you had alignment issues with offensive linemen uncovered. And uh, James Conner and the Cardinals took it to you late in the game. So other than that, that was that was my list. Pretty good list. <clears throat> Did yeah. I miss anything? I think uh, it was fairly expansive. Yeah, I uh, there's. I'm sure I missed some. Um, but Matt, Two that I came up with off the top of my head were okay. – Porter played really, really well, but defensive pass interference in the end zone, that's right. not great. Um, I think it was opening kickoff. You you bobble the kick yeah. in your own end zone and Neil, decide to take Neil, it out. Neil, yeah, Neil. I mean, it's a but he took it out to the 23 or 24. But, yeah, but like, that's still a mental error. I'm, yeah. I'm sitting there thinking, you know what? Maybe things are going good for us because <laughs> if you're going to blow that and then you're going to come out smelling good, you know what I mean? Maybe the other Today's things are going to go good. Yeah, yeah, it didn't quite go that way. So let's start. 
uh, Matt, where you started, and I agree. So, you know, um, so when I said, and I'm going to tie one of these things into what you were talking about. So to me, the lack of offensive continuity early in this game. So by that, I mean, you know, in Cincinnati, we saw you get over 400 yards and an impressive rushing total and an Mm -hmm. impressive throwing total and taking care of all these things that you want to do as an offense. And then you look up at the scoreboard and it's 16 points. Yeah. Right, you don't you don't get the point. So in this opening drive, um, after the 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 fumble, you take it out of the end zone. You're running the ball, you're passing the ball, and you only wind up with three points. And and then that allows Arizona to stick around and stick mm-hmm. around and stick around. And then the clear, clear turning point of this game is you don't punch it in from the one on fourth and goal with a with a quarterback coming sure. in off the bench. And they go 99 yards on you. So instead of even with things not being great, instead of being up 10 to three going into the half, you're down 10 to three going into the half. And a half, you've pretty much had your way with them. That's why I talk about the, the continuity. It just wasn't, it didn't fit together. The puzzle pieces, you're looking at two different puzzles. Here's the puzzle yeah, pieces yeah. that are the yards, here are the puzzle pieces that are the points, and, and you can't fit them into the same puzzle. And then you go into the half without your starting quarterback, your green dot guy on defense, and the skies open up. You know, right. and then yeah. you know, I mean, right. the, the timing wasn't great on all those things, but a lot to unpack there. So, how many games in a row do we have to see the stat of the Steelers have the best record in the history of the world when they have never out out uh, yardage their opponents? Well, that maybe was that nine, was, I think, whatever it? it was. But we <laughs> saw it forever. Ten. Actually, it was ten until yeah, it was 10. Canada it was, was gone. You know, whatever. Yeah, so. And then this game, well, they had more yardage than their opponent, but that doesn't translate to wins necessarily. It's the other things. It's your list that you started to open it's called the game. points. Yeah, points and <laughs> yeah. lack of mistakes and things like that. Now, a lot to unpack there, too. I mean, when they went for it on fourth and one, I'm sitting there typing. I'd go for it. I always like to you know, take notes in the minute, you know, in, in, the, in real time. What would I have done? Not Monday, oh, it didn't work, you know, that type right. of thing. And then because at that point – I think the number was 26 yards that the cards had got on you to that point. Right. right. You know, I mean, and I, you were winning I, on that side of the totally ball. Totally agree with you. I mean, it's the right call. You didn't get it in the end zone. Totally so agree. be it. I don't have the answer to their red zone woes, but they're great. I mean, the red zone woes are a huge problem. I don't know why. I used to just kind of blame a young quarterback because young quarterbacks struggle with condensed spaces, but I don't think that's it anymore. That needs to be addressed. And – uh, yes, and I agree with you. I would have gone for it. I would have mm-hmm. trusted my defense to stop them and get me the ball back and maybe get three or maybe get seven before mm-hmm. the end of the half. And instead, they go 99 yards. But Wolf, that was the clear, to this, me, momentum sw- uh, swing. No. Ten times out of ten times, I go for it. You're at home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, you got the crowd on your side. You got some uh, You got some good jams going on. Guys are moving bodies and everything else. So you're excited about it, so you want the opportunity to go. And as Chuck Noll always used to say, you earn the right as an offensive line, you earn the right to go for it on fourth down. And offensively, I thought these guys were moving some bodies. What I would have done is gone under center because you eliminate the threat of the quarterback sneak right away. Right away, they're sitting there going, well, there's no quarterback sneak here. Second thing is you're going to see all the second-level guys are going to be able to see who gets the ball because you're in shotgun. And obviously, probably with – you know, not that it holds 100% accurate, but with Trubisky coming in, 
Uh, I'm sorry, that was that was Pickett with with Pickett in there. The fact of the matter is, you know, you 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 don't think he's going to run it from there. You know what I mean? It just doesn't make sense. No, no, West Trubisky. Oh, I'm sorry, was it? Yeah, West Trubisky. Okay, yep. wait a minute. Yes, I got because I got screwed up. I was thinking about when he got hurt. Okay, right. but he's so not I was right. No, he's not going to. Th- no, yeah. but he's not going to throw it either. You know, probably there's right. most most likely he's going to hand it off. And if you're going to hand it off, everybody's going to see who it is. And it was Najee. And Najee had a great run at the line. But, you know, the guy that he missed actually was Nate Herbig, who walked his guy off the line of scrimmage. And by the way, I did get that was one of those crushed synapses that kicked in there as we were talking about whether it was Trubisky or whether it was Pickett. But here's here's the deal. You've got some guys that can move bodies. Nate Herbig moved his man. What happened was on the backside when Najee slammed in there and gave a, well, basically it was a ballistic enema to James Daniels. You know, it, it the whole line was moving east-west as it's trying to get to that, that crescent point where you're pushing into the end zone. Yeah, Mason the backside was moved backwards. Yeah, Broderick well, Jones and, exactly. and, and, and on the backside, yep. they were cutting off. So, you know, you're moving a little bit sideways there as the Cardinals lines is pinching down there. And that's what created the problem where you couldn't get into the end zone. Yep. I'm, I'm, I, in the post-game comments, um, Mike Tomlin said it didn't matter under center or shotgun, but I would have gone under center there. 100%. I mean, then you still have the tush-push thing going. Right. I mean, I, I mean, at so, least you have that option. Right? So Let's go with the, brotherly shove. It just <laughs> sounds better. <laughs> it does. It does sound better. So we were um, we were talking in the uh, – or we we're, we're doing the post-game show, and they had that game up there, uh, the 49ers-Eagles. Mm, sure. And the Eagles had the ball first and goal at the four. And they did two quarterbacks. <laughs> first and goal at the four. I mean, that's like, uh, you know, get the newsreels going, 1933 football. I mean, you know, what are you doing? Right, there? Really, right. that worked? Yep. Two quarterback sneaks from the four, and they got in. They got in, <laughs> I man. mean, uh, so, yeah, I, I would have liked to have seen that. And then, you know, there were ample opportunities to come up with stops on that 99-yard drive. Four third-down conversions, I believe, on the drive. Mm-hmm. Um you know, uh, penalty aided, penalty lack, aided, lack of dealing with McBride. Some big play, and, you know. yeah. McBride was big. Um, there's an opportunity to to make a tackle in the backfield on a third and six, just before the two minute warning. It was almost as if Arizona was saying, "Okay, we did what we wanted to do. We got it out of here. Now we're going to kick it away and be happy to go in three three. I don't know whether that was their mindset, but they ran the ball on third and six, and Walker hit the man in the backfield, but he he got out of the tackle and wound up running to the right and picking up a first down. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden you're under the two minute warning. You got all three of your timeouts, and you've got you're thinking score now, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm I, I just saying that was total that, perplexion changer. You know, yes, right? yeah. that that was one play where I think they were even. They I think they were just saying, look, if we get it, we get it. If we don't get it, kick it away. We did what you know. We're in we, this we, game we dodged on the road. The bullet, and, yeah. and now all of a sudden they not only get it. But then they get other ones. McBride was uncoverable um, by the Steelers in this game. He was a, just a mismatch nightmare. He's a really good, interesting young player. And then, um, you know, when they march down and score before the half, wow. You talk about a momentum changer. Yeah. That was a huge momentum swing. Well, think about this. They go 15, uh, plays 99 yards, right? They were, what, 0 for 5, I think it was, on their first third down conversions. Or 0 for 4. And then they converted five in a row in that 15-play right. drive. I mean, yeah. like, you're going, where'd that come from? Right. Yeah. Right. Which is why I agree with Matt's premise. I would have gone for it, too. They'd done nothing. Arizona had done nothing offensively. And you've got a good defense, and you're thinking, okay, uh, we don't score here. We're going to get the ball back. Midfield, we're gonna probably, have, right? Yeah, we're yeah. going to get the ball back around midfield. We're going to have plenty of time. We're going to go. Mm-hmm. Probably get three out of it. And that's in a game right. like this. That's Yeah. So right. I have no problem with that. I do have a problem with the – I'm with you guys. I would have went under center. 
I think it takes a lot of the mystery or adds adds more of the mystery. But the crime was committed on defense. You know, I mean, allowing a 99-yard drive. And if you notice, they're almost their offense was almost two phases to me. It was the McBride phase, especially after Roberts was hurt, all the 10-yard, 15-yard areas, and he was uncoverable, but they didn't have an answer. And I haven't watched the All-22 yet, but it looked like a lot more Minka on McBride late in the game, which is something we kind of talked about going in. But that's when they start handing to Connor, and you couldn't stop him in the second half. Right. You know, it was like You're exactly McBride right. in the first half, Connor in the second, and they spammed it to death. You yeah, know? except we, now you've got a plague in the middle linebackers. Exactly. And the inside linebackers. Middle, right. So you got all kinds of issues going on there. Okay, I was going to save that for next segment, but let's tackle it now because Roberts <laughs> oh, got oh, hurt. Oh, I like the play on words, buddy. <laughs> ah, <next day. laughs> Roberts got hurt early on that 99-yard drive. Um, he had been dinged up before, uh, re-injured the groin left the game, and then, of course, didn't return. That was early on. I think they had the ball right right around the 10-yard line, their own 10-yard line in Arizona when he came out. And um, they they could not – you have to give Arizona – I'll give Arizona this credit. And, you, you know, look, we're going to look at this and say the Steelers should have won this game. I'll say it. I said it Saturday. I was sick of it Sunday. I'll say it today. They should have won this game. But a really nice job by Arizona of understanding that McBride was a guy that could do damage. And on that drive, with Landon Roberts out, now you're out your top three linebackers. And Landon Roberts, going into all this, was your third best cover guy at linebacker. Mm. But going into this game, he's your best cover guy <laughs> at linebacker. Um, so, you know, you have Cole Holcomb's out. You have Quan Alexander's out. Um, Landon Roberts is doing a terrific job, flourishing with the opportunity, I thought. Now he comes out of the game, and all of a sudden it's just the Trey McBride show. I thought they managed the clock extremely well. Um, Arizona, you know, they left 15 seconds left on the clock after the touchdown. Um, you know, I, I do think that they deserve some credit for for that. I mean, absolutely. The other the other teams are doing something good. I, I they did something good. They they saw oh, the, no they saw the weakness. They exploited it. They managed the clock well, and they marched down and scored. There's no question about it. And part of the problem when you lose a Landon Roberts, you lose a guy who has communicative communicative abilities that really set him as a as a chief green dot guy. You know what I mean? The guy has knowledge, he's got experience, he's 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 able to direct traffic from that area, connect make sure that he's connecting with the front end and the back end and everybody's on the same page. And when you lose a guy like that who has such a bounce back bang in his repertoire. I mean this guy I, 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 can't, I can't get over some of the hits I watch him drop on people. I haven't seen hits like that in a long time around here. I mean, you, you, Kendrill Bell is a guy that comes to mind when you talk about bouncing people back like that. Jane, of course, Debo and so forth. But, you know, I mean, he really has a gift for it. And, and to lose him was losing more, just not as you know, the, the communication aspect, but the ability to drop people right in their, their tracks. Okay, so uh, go, go ahead. Matt. Yeah, one, one thing about the communication aspect is – a lot of fans don't understand this, and Wolf would understand it better. Than just, me just gonna ask you, you're explain the, the green dot. Great, yeah. that's exactly what I was going to ask you to do. So you lose your guy, your communication guy. Now that doesn't mean you can't get a play called to everyone's ears, but you probably can't adjust pre-snap and all those things. So maybe they say, "Guys, we're just playing cover two to get out of the half." You know, mm-hmm. and Kyler knows it, and the offense coordinator knows it, and McBride knows it. You know, they, a lot of times the defense is just go to a default mechanism. That's why people script plays. If we overload this side with tight ends, they didn't practice it all week, so boom, they're going to cover two, or whatever it is. you know. So possibly in that drive, and again, I haven't studied every snap, they just simplify it to no end saying, 
the chances of us going them going ninety nine and killing us are slim and none. But because we don't have the communication, we're going to stay very very basic, not change a lot at the line of scrimmage or pre snap, depending on what they do. And that's that's the communication stuff that gets hard. And we're going to dig a little bit deeper into the green dot. We're going to talk about some of the other issues the Steelers had. Uh, quick week. Um, the injury is going to going to be a key factor as they get ready for Thursday night's game against New England. All that and more still to come on the point after on Steelers Nation Radio and 102.5 DVE. Welcome back to the point after presented by Parks Casino. Is today your lucky day? Bet Parks by Brian Patton and Associates. It's all about the benefits and by the Steelers Pro Shop. Get it direct from the team at shop.steelers.com. Dot com And speaking of dot, we're going to go green dot here. So let's get a, a little football 101. Wolf, talk about how the importance of the green dot and what happens in the communication on the defensive end. I think a lot of people think about the communication on the offensive end. The play comes in. The quarterback gets to the line of scrimmage. Maybe you know, he does a check with me where he takes, you know, a play that's supposed to be going to the right, 34 slam. And now you just say, hey, we're going to run it to the left, 35 slam, right? That's a check with me. Or you check out of the play altogether. We don't like this look. So I think people have a, a pretty good understanding of what happens on the offensive side from the moment the play gets called to the moment the ball is snapped. Talk about the green dot and the importance of the communication on the defensive side of the ball. Well, the big thing is to know when you've got switches on the perimeters, when you're on the inside, whether you kick down, where your strength is. So, so to call out strengths, right. first of all, strength to the right, to the left, what have you. All right, or you got to you, you call the play in the huddle. It's a basic play. Then you start calling out the strengths, and you adjust accordingly to how the offense presents itself. This is all based on down distance and the personnel groupings that come out. So okay? the per- the person that's wearing the green dot yeah, he's is communicating the with the defensive yeah. coordinator, he's right? He's communicating with Terrell. Right. And then is Terrell – so he calls the play in the huddle just like a quarterback would call a play right. in the huddle. Right. Everybody goes out to their cover two, whatever the formation is. Right. Now things need to change. Is Terrell Austin communicating with the green dot? Is communicating with the guys? Or is the green dot now in charge of – Hey, I, I see this. I see that. I got to move guys around here. He's going to move guys around. Okay. You know what I mean? He sees it. He He's just, the quarterback he, on defense. Yeah. And what you've got to do is you've got to make sure that in the final frame, which is the final lineup of the offense before the snap of the ball, you are set. All right. I mean, you have to adjust. So you see him, you see a guy go in motion, right? And you see somebody either run with them or checks. Guys are waving, gesturing with their hands. They're communicating to each other as this play is developing, as the formations, the motions, what have you, are, are occurring. They are making sure that everybody's on the same page. When you're down near the goal line, I remember distinctly it up at. Up at the, the seven uh, seven shots up at the training camp, and Minka Fitzpatrick and Levi Wallace were over by the sidelines where I was close enough. I could hear the two of them yelling, "Okay, I got this. You got that." Da da da. They're going back and forth. They're communicating. They came from you know inside to the outside, and everybody's making sure in their specific area if that they're communicating because the front end to the back end, back end, they got to know what each other is doing. Right. So that whole thing is is playing out. And it's usually time. best to have somebody I would think in the middle of the field. A middle linebacker is usually the guy. Could be a safety. Somebody who recognizes and is able to call it out and adjust and has got a big mouth. 
Right. You know what I mean? Because you've got – and let me tell you something. One of the first things I had to learn when I came up here was to learn and know your quarterback's voice. Because you get down in there, there's a lot of chatter, and then you got somebody yelling on the other side. And Ray Lewis was unbelievable at this. And I was glad I wasn't even on the field. But Ray Lewis would come up to the line of scrimmage and be yelling things that – you know, he's just trying to interfere with the call. But he was making it sound very businesslike <laughs> to get away so the referee didn't, you know – flag them on something. But that goes on out there, believe you me. So another aspect people don't think about, like you're sitting there at home at your lazy boy, and they run the ball for five yards, the whistle blows, you take a sip of your beer, you grab a handful of chips. But meanwhile, Coach Austin, the second that that uh, whistle blows, he's thinking, what are their tendencies on second and five? What is my call here? Boy, this area of the field, they love to take shots. You know, and, he's thinking of all the yeah, and and no, you're you're, yeah. you're doing, describing it great. Just throw in the personnel groupings because that right, right. Oh, they just went it. from eleven to heavy. Okay, yeah. now what do they like to do in the middle of the field? Okay, now I'm going to pick this play. Boom. That maybe takes I don't know five seconds, ten seconds. By the time it ends up in said linebacker's ear, they may be already close to the line of script. What if it's hurry up? What if it's you know like the pacing of it all is what people don't think about at home. Like, right. I'll have some chips. I'll sit here and drink beer. Why weren't they ready for the play? You know, why wasn't Chooks out there in time or whatever it is? I mean, like the procedure of it all is quick. And then you'll see little things like the linebacker comes up and taps one of the defensive tackles on the butt. Move over six inches. Move over a foot. That means everything to the defense. Alignment. Like, I'm not throwing Bush under the under the bus, but a lot of people in that building told me he often aligned wrong. And by that, they mean a foot to the left, a foot to the right, and Wolf will tell you, if I'm a guard and I'm going to block that linebacker and he's giving me an extra foot to get to him, I'm going to smother him. That's a great point. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to smother him. That's a great point. Him. And yep. that's Robert saying, hey, shift here. You know, you're, you're leaning too far. You're, you know, you're, you're making it too easy on him. And, and again, I think you also, Matt, made another great point, Wolf, about now you have your communicators gone. Do you just simply sit in a sort of base defense, much like – Especially yeah, in that situation. End the half. Let's just get out of the half and go to halftime figure it out. You right. Know? And the drive that won't end. Right, mm-hmm. The drive that keeps going and going and going. Um, and, you know, on offense, people can maybe think about the rookie quarterback. There's all the questions about, does Kenny, is Kenny picking calling the plays? Does he have to call what's played? Well, I, you know, or uh, play, uh, does he have to, you know, run what's called? I think for a lot of young quarterbacks, that's probably more the case. Less freedom. You're just going to do what the coach tells you to do. And that's a tactical disadvantage for a team. Uh, one of the reasons why more experienced quarterbacks are are nice to have because they can see things happening, and I suppose the same thing is happening defensively, right? Th- those There's same no things, and, and so you want to be able to, you know, have somebody out there that can that can help you do some things. Well, there's no question. I mean, in Dallas, one year I remember, and was it Monday Night Football or whatever Thursday night came? Yeah, Monday Night Football. We're in Dallas, and uh, Terry Bradshaw calls the play one way, and Mike Webster's over the ball. We're at the line of scrimmage. He turns his head and goes, "Can't run it, Terry." There he goes. Then he audibles the other way. When he looks over and goes back, can't run that one either, Terry. You know, I mean, that's the kind of communication that was back in the day. Right. You know, and it's evolved, and the the language, the terminology has changed and gotten more concise and to the point and helpful in that aspect. But it's a difficult thing when there's all those voices going on out there, and you're trying to communicate, and so many of the the code words. And the gestures, you'll see quarterbacks tug a face mask, you'll see them put a hand on their hip or something like that to indicate where they're going with it. I mean, it's really kind of crazy out there. Yeah. So let's get on to uh, thank you guys both for the explanation. Hopefully uh, um, some people got some clarity on 
the importance of the green dot and maybe even educated on what it exactly means. Um, you know, there's there's a few things I want to pick on here, uh, the special teams penalties. And I don't want to pick on Miles Killebrew because th- this isn't like him. No. Right? He had three penalties running into the kicker, which, which was declined and two other penalties. Regardless, it happened last week in Cincinnati where they had some special teams penalties. This team is still constructed in such a way that any little thing they do that allows the opponent to hang around, like you talked about at the at sure. the head of this show, Matt, whether that is getting three when you should have gotten seven, whether that is turning the ball over, or whether that is committing penalties that gives the other team 10 or 15 yards, uh, big yards in the penalty game, um, the Steelers can't have this. They This is two weeks in a row now. They can't have these kind of mistakes on special teams. 100%. And I'm not sure exactly – you know how I love my stats, and I'm not sure how to find this, but I do want to find where they're at in terms of special teams penalties for the year. It seems high to me, but that's also a big reason across the league people just boom it in the end zone because there's so many special teams penalties across the league. It's a it's a league-wide epidemic. But I will say, too, along those lines, Harvin had a punt that was a line drive that didn't allow his, his guys to get under enough. You know, he's been too inconsistent. And frankly, I think their two best special teams players are Killebrew and Boswell, Boswell uncharacteristically makes misses a kick. You know, Killebrew has penalties. Like they're the ones you trust the most. I mean, in some ways, it's just not your day, but that's not an excuse. I'm blaming the Boswell miss on like the biblical like Sitting plague of rain and lightning, right, yeah. and you know, it was. When's the last time he swung it, his leg? Was it me that, or yeah. was it going right down the middle? And just like seemed to miss somehow. <laughs> Looked like he hit it perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought he did. I, 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 I don't, I don't understand that. And you can't do anything after it leaves your foot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you're just looking at it. But if we're looking to ascribe blame, and what we're looking for is not to ascribe blame, but reasons that you lost the game, um, he's always going to be at the very bottom of my list because he's been a, a reason they've won games. Same thing with so Miles. frequently. Yeah, exactly. Miles, right. Miles right. Exactly. That was the point we're trying yeah. to make at the top. You know, you don't get to be a special teams captain by making silly mistakes. You know, this guy's a solid guy, solid performer. The, the the one that I can understand the face, the thing that I know there's something really wrong, you know, when when you go up and you whack a guy who signaled fair catch. Yeah. yeah. I, I, he knew it immediately. He, You know, it was just like I remember one time out in Seattle, I came out on a slider, molly protection. You slide, you check inside, linebacker to outside. I know it, it's halfback option. I know the play. I know that I'm checking inside, backer to outside. I see out of the corner of my eye, Walt Abercrombie heading out. And I, for some reason, I see the outside linebacker rushing. I go back inside thinking, oh, Walt's going to pick him up. I'll go back, help the boys inside. Wait a minute. No, that's my guy. He's out on a pass pass option uh, route, right? Holy cow. You want to talk about unleashing a, a mess of a pileup, man. That was, you know, but it's just uncharacteristic. It just happened. It's a glitch in the in the old noggin, you know. It, it's These things happen every now and then. Yeah, when those happen, you're like, Really? Yeah. You know, I mean, there were so many different things, whether it's uh, that guy, sli- you know, the running back sliding out of the Walker tackle or that ball that Connor Hayward just, you know, could he have caught that off the fingertips? Uh, could it have been a mm-hmm. little bit more toward him? I mean, just, you know, they they have back-to-back plays in which they fumble and they recover. You know, I mean, just – There's yeah. days they, when you just – it's not your day. Your way, yeah. No, it didn't bounce their way. But they didn't help themselves. And, no. and here was one of the things – um, that I think uh, aggrieved many fans, uh, left them aggrieved, aggravated. Uh, 12 men in the field call. You come out of a timeout, right. yeah. 
and you have 12 men in the field. Mm-hmm. Yep. You have, you're pinned down deep in your own territory, and you're looking to change personnel, and uh, you want Chukchukorafor in as the extra tackle, and he's not out in the huddle, and you got to use a timeout. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got to run 50 yards to get there, not just right, right. there. <laughs> twice you have twice uh, um, an offensive tackle uncovered, right. so an illegal formation. Yeah. Once a year is a lot. Twice a game? I, I, I don't know if I've ever seen that. Um, I mean, when you see things like that, it's befuddling. And, you know, Mike Tomlin came out and said, look, JV effort, and he said it starts with him. And those are the kind of things that it's hard not to look at and say, you know, shouldn't some coaches have been involved in, in this and getting our guys lined up right and making sure we have the proper personnel on the field or not on the field? There's no doubt there is, but Mike's not going to throw him under the bus. Right. All right. He's All that will be handled behind closed doors, you know, and this will be rectified. There's no doubt about it. But, yeah, some people missed out. And you have to wonder, I mean, everyone's to kill Matt Canada for his tenure here, but when you have a change and maybe you have a bunch of cooks in, you know, making the stew instead of one, then the, the communication stuff, we got wonky. I don't know. Can't happen. I'm just talking about an offense. I mean, it, it can't happen. There's no question about that. And boy, it happened a lot yesterday. Yeah, and and then again, um, unfortunately, some names have to be named uh, after games like this. Mason Cole um, took immediate responsibility for his issue snapping sure. the ball. Mm-hmm. I still wondered what did, did something happen to his hand? He went to the tent. I was wondering right. if there was between slippery, you know, weather. You, know, you got the rain, you got the hail, stuff like that. There's no excuses. He, he said, "Look, there's, there's no excuse for it." But if you bang your hand, then I I would hope that you'd say, "Hey." Listen, I'm having trouble gripping, having gription on this ball. Get under center or do something to alleviate that problem. You take one thing away from it. It's hard enough. I mean, when you got somebody, a 350-pound cheese whopper sitting on your nose, you've got to snap that ball back accurately in a shotgun and then use that same hand that's got to be skillful to punch a guy that's 350 pounds in the chest with a heavy pad on there. It can take a, you know, you get a little hand damage in there. I understand that. Again, it's something you got to work out. If something goes wrong, you got to be able to rectify it. And they, so I, I hadn't thought of it, but it, you know, his backup is sitting there next to him at left guard. He's right. not able to come off the bench. If there is something wrong with his hand, you're playing with it. Yeah, you know? right. right. Yeah, because Herbig had to go in yeah, for Simala. Yeah. But the other thing too, um, you know, and Ben Roethlisberger was on DVE this morning talking about how, you know, a, you, you, as a quarterback, you want that snap up high, obviously, because you really don't want to take your eyes off of. What's happening down the field? I mean, that's that was always a that was one of the big arguments early on with the shotgun. Well, you got to look at the ball. You can't see the field like you can if you're dropping back. Well, you know, Ben was saying you're you're kind of looking almost peripherally mm-hmm. at the ball, like you're seeing it come to you, but you're so used to catching it, you're able to catch it, but also keep your eyes downfield. And you talk about like some things like the fumbles, the ball just not bouncing your way. Of all the calls to have a low snap, of all the calls, it was a screen. So those linemen are already coming in. Mm-hmm. So if you're Mitch Trubisky, you're already probably feeling a little rushed to get that ball and go into your, you know, uh, Lawrence Olivier backpedal so you can suck them in and, and throw. I mean, if it's another play, I mean, it wasn't the worst snap he had of the day, actually. I mean, it was low and it was it's not where he wanted it to be. But, um, I mean, just just crazy that it happened to happen on a screen call. Oh, yeah. this, it's crazy how many things just happen to happen 
on a certain Things point. Things happen you know, to happen. Yeah, <laughs> they I mean, happen to happen. I still go back to poor Miles, you know, missing that, the guy waving. Miles never misses that. Right. You know, I mean, it, to three not just once, but three low snaps. I mean, it yeah. says to me there's something wrong with the hand. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you start to have other situations occur that, uh, you know, they're problematic. And you're right, a lot of the bad stuff happened at the wrong time. Right. Without question. It'd be better if it was second and one, and then, ah, we'll just scrap it, go to third and one, and you pick it up. Right. But the Cardinals, Rondell Moore, also dropped a touchdown. You know, I mean, like, the, yeah. they didn't play a perfect game either. You right. Know, right, 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 you know. right, for sure. Uh, more to get to. Um, some grim, some not so grim. Yeah. <laughs> That's when the point after continues on Steelers Nation Radio and 102.5 DVE. the point after presented by parks casino is today your lucky day bet parks by brian patton and associates it's all about the benefits and by the steelers pro shop get it direct from the team at shop.steelers.com okay i'm running down my list of things we did the red zone offense and defense we didn't like that was a big factor in the game against arizona i think that's pretty self-explanatory um late in this game i was surprised you know uh earlier in the season you know matt and i'll start with you on this uh we saw the Steelers' defense get worn down. Mm-hmm. Three and out, drive. Three and out, the offense not helping them. Well, in this game, the Steelers actually won the time of possession. But late in the game, I was very surprised to see the Arizona Cardinals be able to line up and run it on them. You desperately yeah. needed some stops, and, and the Steelers' defense couldn't stop them late in the game. Yeah, I, I wish I had something great and insightful to add to that. I mean, it's just a fact. I mean, frankly, I thought Connor played really well, too. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, no it had to be a special game yeah. for him, of course. And I remember looking at the halftime stats going, Connor only has 17 yards? Boy, he looks better than that. He looks spry as I can remember and invigorated. So you always have to give the, the opponent some credit as well. Late in the game, though, I saw a lot of of 13 personnel, which we talked about from a Steeler perspective, but Arizona's at the top of the league in doing so. And in that situation, I think you'd love to have two or three quality second-level players on the field, and they might have had none. <laughs> you know, I mean, they're down to what they had. That's not an excuse. I still think Cam Hayward, T.J. Watt, all those guys could have been better at the point of attack. Tackling wasn't tremendous, but that was disappointing. There's no question. And they've got to feel disappointed in themselves. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt. Captain Cam's out there. Look, he doesn't. He does not go for stuff like that, and it's unfortunate. But these are the. This is what happens in a big boy league. You know, you can't sit there and say, "Well, you know, we're sitting here at seven and four, and they're just, you know, two and ten or whatever." You know, it it, it doesn't work that way. It, I, what Mike Tomlin said: "There's no homecoming games in the NFL." Yeah, that's true. You know, so it's disappointing. Um, there there are days when it just no matter how hard you try, you, all you're doing is digging a deeper hole for yourself. Good teams learn and those games how to win despite those days because it, to me it, the bottom line for all that is somehow some way not everybody enters the stadium with the same sort of mental rpms going some guys are at max level some guys are half that some guys are a quarter at that there's things going on in lives and you don't always get the same sort of uh, effort group effort together at the same high efficiency as you do week in week out that's human nature and i think yesterday was just an example of that you know, in football, uh, the loss to a team that you consider inferior uh, is 
frustrating to fans. The Steelers were going into this game. Uh, Mike Brzezuta had this stat. One of only six teams who had not lost to a team with a losing record. They'd mm-hmm. beaten them all going into that game. Um, it is a reminder, and you see this a lot in baseball, right? Like, okay, the Yankees are a better team than uh, you know whoever they might be playing, right? That doesn't mean they're going to win every single game, right? And people don't sweep every series, right? And the, right. and the Yankees lose a game, people don't say, "Oh my god, whole everyone <laughs> needs to be fired," you know? Yeah, right. But but it is. And, and I, this is a, a bit of a preamble to the point I want to make. Um, when you step onto a baseball diamond or into a boxing ring or onto a football field or what have you, there's the chance you can get beat, you know? And when you have a guy like Kyler Murray, um, Kyler Murray's a dangerous guy. I mean, he's been getting a lot of criticism for his leadership and what is he doing in meetings. And I can't speak to any of that stuff. I don't know any of it. Um, I don't know, you know. A lot of that stuff is, you know, more chatter than anything else. Um, maybe it has substance. Maybe it does not. I don't know. I do know this. This guy had over 800 yards rushing and 11 TDs three years ago. Two years ago, he had a quarterback rating over 100. This is a talented guy. And when you let a team hang around and they've got a James Conner and they've got a Trey McBride at the tight end position and they've got a Kyler Murray at the quarterback position – what happened yesterday might happen to you. Chuck Noll used to say, when you lay down with dogs, you're going to get fleas. And that's exactly what happened. When you let another team around, hang around you long. Because remember, this is a professional league. As Ray Penny used to say back in the day, of offensive tackle that we used to play together with, Ray would say, those guys are on scholarship too. <laughs> you know, They're in the league for a reason. And they can pull it together at any given time. There's... It, you just can't account for everything. You know, you've got to stay tiptoe and bring your best effort week in, week out. But sometimes the desperation factor gets a little bit higher on some teams. And sometimes you come from – I mean, what? how else do you account for a Southwestern Dome team to walk into northeast December weather with lightning and rain and everything else outside and and do as well as they did? It's To me, that was one of the – Mitigating factors, too. They go from the Betty Crocker oven, as my brother calls the stadium <laughs> down there, you know, to, uh, you know, to Acrisure, and it's a completely different environment. And yet they pulled together, and they were able to manifest the, the effort they needed to come away with a win. Sometimes the desperation factor is the only thing, the only difference between winning and losing. And the 10 a.m., you know, it's 10 a.m. for them, right? All those things working against yeah. them. They hadn't won on the road, mm-hmm. Matt. Um, they're they're – statistically really a pretty terrible football team. Yeah. They did beat Dallas, right? They did. That's I mean, that, which the is caveat. Crazy. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. I mean, Dallas looks so good right now. It's hard to even conceive of that happening, and yet it happened. It mm-hmm. can happen. And again, you you know, to circle back to what you said at the beginning of the show, when you live on the razor's edge, which is where the Steelers have had to live the last – since, you know, since they've had success going back to last year's bye – what are they? Uh, Fourteen and seven now in those uh, in those games since then. Uh, I think that's off the top of my head. I think that's the correct record. Um, good record, but boy, it's it hasn't been comfortable. No, no, it's at not, all. Not where they're at right now. Yeah. So a lot to take there. I mean, and I thought the same thing. If you could jump up on this Cardinals team, their season's pretty well shot. They're on the other side of the, the country. You got them right where you want them. Fourth quarter belongs to you. Run it down their throats. Yeah, but then you discount the, the human element of this. I mean, this is a new head coach that's trying to change the culture there. 
that all he's trying to do is get effort dudes. You know what I mean? Like, I looked at their defense and thought, they might need eight or nine new starters next year. But you know what? That linebacker looks at it and says, they're going to get a new starter for me next year. You think he's going to put bad tape out there? He may not be in the league anymore. Like, these are desperate players that are looking at it almost like preseason cut time. You know, like, they're on, on... trying just to make a roster somewhere. You know, they're not going to just hang it up. I mean, it's the NFL. You know, and, and it's uh, the reason I say that, too, is uh, about, you know, anybody can beat you on any given day, The you know, any given Sunday thing, is that, you know, I want to take a sneak peek to Thursday. And, look, Bailey Zappi, uh, you know, sort of a mid to late round draft choice, was last year, two years ago by the Patriots. Doesn't it's have his a, second season. Second yeah. season. It hasn't played a whole lot. Um, you know, didn't look great. But under really bad conditions um, oh. in Fo- in uh, Foxborough yesterday, uh, awful, awful uh, rainy conditions the entire game. But this is a pro athlete, you know. This is a guy who was a star in college and is a star in high school. And therefore, if you allow him to be capable, is capable. He might not be capable for 17 straight weeks. But on Thursday night, he doesn't have to be capable for 17 straight weeks. He only has to be capable for three hours. You know, you got to get it right one night, you know, I mean, and that's the essence of it is you have that opportunity to display what you're uh, capable of doing week in and week out. And as I said, sometimes that effort goes, it goes a little bit different. You know, you don't know, you know, it's just like Matt was talking about. You can't, there's no way to calibrate a man, the, the fighting spirit of a man. You know, when you are desperate enough and you think I might get replaced here, the way things are going, I can see, you know. You're going to play everything you got. And, you know, as I always say, that's how the pyramids were built, you know? Right. 500 could move 20 tons, but 250 could. How's that happen? Well, take a guess, you know? That desperation factor of getting the job done, it does change guys. Right. And this Patriot team's crazy. I mean, Bill Belichick still exists. I mean, I know he doesn't look quite as good, but he's on the Mount Rushmore of coaches. I mean, he's going to have a game plan. He's going to have his team prepared, especially defensively. So the Patriots have lost three in a row. They haven't allowed more than 10 points in any of those games. Do you think all of a sudden the Steelers are going to be the one that throws 30 on them <laughs> in a short week? Right. Probably we're, not. We're it's kicking be close. This, we were kicking yeah. this around. I think, I think it was the uh, the 1938 Chicago Cardinals who were the last team to allow 26 points over a three-game span and not win any of the games. 26 yeah. combined points. I bet. So right. they're so they're stopping teams, right? They're they're able to stop teams, and I I think when I want to go back to something Matt said earlier, and Wolf, I'll let you start this off. So now you're going into this game on a short week, right? And we know pre- practice time is precious, right? Everybody wants to get out there and get some practice, but you get, there's only so much time Not to everybody. prepare for that. <laughs> <laughs> only so much time to prepare for an opponent in a given week. And so they talk about mental reps, and you got to take those mental reps, which means you're not actually out there getting physical reps right, and getting a feel for the speed and those sort of things. So now you're going to go into a short week with your quarterback injured, your green dot, you know, defensive quarterback right. injured, you, you know, forgetting Ciamalo now, uh, your left guard who's injured, Minka Fitzpatrick who's going to play with a broken hand, TJ Watt looks like he's okay, but forgetting Ciamalo, which I don't want to forget because it's a big loss. I mean, this guy's been really good for the Steelers that communication now on a short week uh banged up just injury wise you'd love to have more time to give these guys the capability of coming back but on a short week when 
it seems unlikely that they would, given the nature of their injuries. How do you get that communication straightened out for guys who have had quote-unquote mental reps, and now they're going to be calling plays and changing plays and being the main communicators? You streamline, and you you chop your, your playlist down, whatever it is. You're going you're gonna to find a essential core of plays, whether it's defensive, offensive, but you've got to streamline enough so that you know. And this is the one thing I found with coordinators. They've got to absolutely believe beyond all whatever that you are capable of doing what they're saying. They're not going to put guys out there that like, well, do you think you got 75% of this or 85% of it? No, they've got to be convinced. And so what they'll do is they'll chop down what – they, they're going to call based on who's receiving and who's disseminating the information. Yeah, you can't have 50% of 60% of the plays. You need 100% of 30% of the plays, right? Yeah. There you but, go. But you know what's going on in Foxborough right now? Belichick's sitting there with his hoodie in a coach's meeting going, boys, you know what's about to happen in Pittsburgh? They're about to chop down their plays. Go find what they do best, and we're going to stop that. I mean, yeah. Belichick's been around the block. Right. <laughs> he knows it's coming. Yeah, so that's that's those are the meetings happening right now? Absolutely. You think in New England? Yeah, he's saying. Do you think he's having a donut while he's doing it? Because, you know, he's over by Providence where Dunkin' Donuts, <laughs> that's their headquarters. You know? Is it? I'm just Yeah. Oh, okay. You don't know where the most famous donuts in the country were there? Uh, I didn't Come know on, that. Man. No, I didn't yeah. know that. That's great. Uh, uh, so many good bakeries here in Pittsburgh. I well, know, that's yeah, true. Yeah. That's true. So, uh, and, and I think this team – present some dangers because, Wolf, any team that can run the ball, as they have over the last several weeks, they've run the ball well, and stop the run as they're trending in that direction too. And you're the Steelers, and you know those are kind of some of your strengths um, as well. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if those neutralize each other. Well, and there's no question, but the good thing is they're traveling. The Steelers aren't. It's mm-hmm. at home. That's helpful. Because a large part of the, a Thursday night game is all about rest and recuperation, trying to get your legs back, trying to get, you know, go see the bone cracker, get a masseuse, you know, sit in the sauna, whatever you need to do to get your body right and get right. That's what you got to do because it's a short time. And let me tell you something: you don't want to take the field feeling like you know you're like at fifty percent of your your capabilities. You know, make sure you're ready to go because otherwise, um, it'll be a bad night. Yeah, I think. Thursday night games level the playing field anyway. I yeah. mean, you just don't have much time to prepare. I think it's a lesser product for fans. That plays exactly into how the Patriots have to play. And believe you me, they've been scouting this for a while. Sure. They've already got the scouting report done and thing, you know, in advance right. of this past week. So now they're paring down what they've already pared down. Mm-hmm. Right. Giving them a leg up to be able to pare it down, right? Yeah. Not just starting from scratch. Cut some of the picket stuff out, insert Trubisky, you know, those type of things, you know. Steelers and Patriots playing. Thursday night at Acrisure Stadium for the most complete selection of Steelers merchandise from official sideline gear and authentic memorabilia to our extensive selection of jerseys and terrible towels. Visit one of the official Steelers Pro Shop stores located at Acrisure Stadium, Grove City Premium Outlets, or Tanger Outlets, or visit us online at shop.steelers.com for all your Steelers merchandise needs directly from the team. For Craig Wolfley and Matt Williams, and I'm Rob King, we thank you for listening to The Point After on Steelers Nation Radio and 102.5 DVE. You've spent all winter stuck inside imagining your next big home project. A bigger, brighter kitchen, a fabulous new fence, the possibility of a pool. There's so much you would do if only you could. 
The good news? With an ST Home Equity total line of credit, you can. We've got your back with financial flexibility, and we're here to support you with exceptional customer service. So dream as big as you want, and we'll help you bring those dreams home. At ST, it's just what we do. ST Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. 